Welcome back to the Notorious OGs podcast. I'm here with my girls, Honestly Hope. Hello. And Allie Bell. What's up, you guys? So we asked from our audience what you wanted to hear. The feedback was, want to hear about pop culture. The only pop culture I know that is kind of like out there right now is that Kylie Jenner and Bad Bunny situation. Kendall. Jenner. Uh, there you go. Whatever. What one of those cases? You know, we can talk about that because it's gonna be controversial. Cause we all know hope like some controversy. <laughs> yeah. It's not that I like it. It's just you I live have... for it. That it's it's no, you though. I have an unpopular opinion in the group chat. That's all it is, and it's only within the group chat. Why? Because I'm a gringa. <laughs> and y'all are all Hispanic and raised Miami and whatnot. And but what does I that have to do with anything? Because, okay, when you break down culture, mm-hmm. culture is practices from where you're from. So where you're from can be D coming from Colombia or her being raised in South Florida. Mm-hmm. For me, where I came from is the Midwest. Just because I'm from Midwest, the middle of America, doesn't mean it was like rednecks and country music and this and that. Like my environment itself was diverse. Like I had friends that were in and out of gangs and in and out of jail and stuff like that. So it doesn't mean I grew up on like a farm in the middle of the Midwest and I'm like honky tonk and whatnot like no culture is where you grew up in the practices taking that step further d still has and you still have some of your culture from where your parents or your family came to america whereas me like the only thing left from my culture when i came when my family came to america is like we eat lefsa at special holidays. Lefsa is like basically a potato tortilla and you throw butter, like a cinnamon butter and, sh- and sugar on it and you wrap it up and you eat it. They have them at Epcot, by the way. They're really good. What are they called? Lefsa, L-E-F-S-A. Lefsa, okay. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. My family also, like my paternal side of my family Mm-hmm. was brought to America from England as part of a a housing project experiment was what I've learned. And then my maternal side of my family, like literally they came from Norway to the Midwest. But all these years, my family has been here for, I want to say at least two centuries all of our original culture from like let's say Norway or England is not necessarily as prominent as yours might be and maybe it's just because it was integrated with American culture or I just grow up with what I would say is American culture but it doesn't mean I don't have or lack a culture you get what I'm saying or not mm-hmm. I, I get it quiet <laughs> huh but Allie's awfully quiet 
<clears throat> so, no, no, no. I was trying to get myself together. Sorry. I think it's really nice to kind of like get to know ourselves from where we were, from backgrounds, right? Norway. You know, I learned that from you, Hope, and that's actually what on my bucket list to actually go to Norway one day. Oh my gosh, they were they do amazing race, the amazing race, and they used to show like uh, they, there was this one season that they had uh, they had this uh, part of their race was in Norway, and my goodness, those sceneries are beautiful, amazing. I was like, I told I told my beloved, I was like, you know what, that's definitely a place that we really have to go. Like it's just completely different than any other place that you you you've seen on TV. So I, I really thought it was yeah. So- Norway and Germany, I think, are, like, super underrated because they look so beautiful and gorgeous. And it's not like Italy or Spain or London or France where there's, like, popular places. Like, I don't hear about people just going to Germany or going to Norway. And a lot of the sceneries, like, they look like postcards, literally. Like yeah. Postcards, like, things that you, you wouldn't imagine, you will see in a fairy tale. It's, like, it's, it's so beautiful. But, um, I mean... Sorry, D, but I mean, to me, like Spain and Italy, like these places like that, they're very like touristic places mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. everybody wants to go and they're yeah. mostly known. Then, you know, if you go and make a trip to like Norway or to Amsterdam, they are, or, yeah. to, Swiss- or to even Switzerland, Switzerland is somewhere like I want to go because I want to yodel through Switzerland. <laughs> yodel, yodel. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like you have Barcelona in Spain, like you have all these popular places that are like super huge for people to go to. And then like the other places are so low key and not as well known or maybe people do go all the time and and we just don't hear about it. I think like those type of countries, those are like more of like a backpacking experience, so to speak, because like, for example, my parents for my 16th birthday, they took me to all of the southern coast of Spain and to Milan um, for my 16th birthday. Um, that was a week's worth of a trip. Um, and mind you, like the year before that, I had a quinceañera. So like my parents went all out for me as, I guess, like a culturally thing. Mm-hmm. That's part of like our culture, you know, to give... I guess the daughter, her 15th, which initially I don't want. And my 15th was like a last minute thing. And my dad wanted to do the whole American 16th birthday type of thing. And that's why we went, you know, to Spain and to Italy for my birthday. That's awesome. That is amazing. And like, I want to see all the pictures because I'm super jelly of (laughs) the quinceañera and your sweet 16 trip. The quinceanera pictures I have. Did you have like the big, huge, like princess dress and everything? Yeah, well, I did. We have to see pictures for sure. That's so traditional, like a Hispanic tradition. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mine. I didn't like. I told my mom when we started the whole like fifteens thing. I was like, listen, I don't want a white dress because I'm I'm not getting married, and I don't want a pink dress because I despise pink. So if we do anything, it'll be purple. I love it even more. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. See, it's so funny because recently I was visiting my family and my aunt is Hispanic and she was talking about her sister. And her sister 
it was basically her youngest daughter is about to turn 15. So she was talking about how her sister had been saving up for years for this daughter's quinceanera and like how big of a thing it was going to be. And to be honest with you, I feel like my other cousins, like, because my Hispanic family is like my extended family, even though I'm like not blood related to them at all. Like I grew up, this is my uncle, so-and-so, like, I feel like all my cousins, I don't recall any of them getting a quinceanera, but now this aunt is throwing one for like the youngest. Like, Uh did your parents have like a huge budget for the quinceanera? So, my my story from my fifteens is really uh it's really funny now that I think about it. The whole entire time, like everything that I put my mom through, the big ordeal. Like, I'm just a point period blank. I'm just gonna say it like that because I want to say I was already fourteen and my mom had already you know started saving up money for my fifteens without me even knowing. And she had asked me a couple times, you know, what I wanted to do for my 15th. And my my answer to her always was, on my birthday, I just want you to take me to McDonald's with my friends, and we're going to call it a day. Like, that was always my answer. Like, I never said I wanted a party. I never said I wanted, like, a big dress. I wasn't that type of girl. Like, I wasn't a girly girl to say growing up. And... Eventually, my mom sat me down one day and she was like, listen, I need you to decide and I need you to stop playing games with me. I need you to tell me what you want. I'm like, mom, I'm telling you, I'm not playing any games. I just want to go to McDonald's with my friends and we're just going to call it a day. And she's like, listen, I'm going to give you a couple of days. You think about what you want and then we're going to rehash this conversation. I started seeing like commercials, I think, on TV about um, these quinceañeras on these cruises And I was like, well, you know, that would be pretty cool, something different. And I told my mom about it. My mom looked into it, and she got us an appointment for this cruise line who was actually doing these quinceañeras. We spent an entire Saturday watching videos, looking at price points. You know, my mom was going to pay for, like, family members to go, like, just, like, the most important family members um she was gonna like you know pay for them and stuff and anybody else who wanted to go had to, you know to pay out of pocket i put my mom through all that just to tell her at the last minute i don't want to do it my mom wanted to shoot, <laughs> shoot me a couple of times because it like it was a lot a lot of information for one day we spent like eight hours in the office after that she don't she didn't talk to me about my 15s and i think it was like four months before my 15th my mom was like listen I need you to tell me now what we're gonna do and if not like you're not getting shit like this is my last try with you I'm like you know and I felt bad because it was really my mom insisting me on doing something for my 15th I I it was never me I told her okay you want this party I'll do this party like I'll I'll please you I mean obviously I'm gonna have to wear a dress I don't want the pink dress I don't want the white dress because I'm not getting married and I hate pink. I want no court because I'm not going to go and spend my days trying to figure out a dance and I barely have any friends. What else? 
I was going to invite pretty much all of my friends and you invite whoever else you want to invite to this party. It's really not for me. This is for you, so to speak. It's a tradition that we do out of our culture. My parents really weren't agreeing to this party regardless. My mom paid everything out of pocket. My dad did not want to have any part to do with it. So a lot was on my mom. And I ended up having, I mean, it ended up being, you know, great for a, fit, for a last minute thing. I had like at a big venue, I had a limousine, my friends went in, in there with me from my house to the to the place. Um, but I, I honestly say like, I would have to thank my mom for pushing and being so like consistent about asking me what I wanted to do for my birthday because it's a memory that I have. I don't think I would have had it any other way. Dee, did you have one? No, I did not. Actually, it was kind of like a debate b- between my mom and my dad because one of, I think it was my more my mom. She she was leaning towards like, yeah, let's have the quinceañera. And then my dad was like, nah, let's just go on a trip somewhere, whatever she would like. Mm-hmm. Similar to Ali, right? But mm-hmm. I at that time, I was so into such a tomboy during that time that I really was not feeling that quinceanera stuff. And I said to my parents, I'm like, just just give me, you know, like a small little gathering and that's it. Like, I don't need anything big. You know, get me my baggy clothes, my my Timberlands at that time, how I used to Aww. wear baggy clothes. And that's all I need. I don't, I don't want any. And you're called, like, being from Colombia, you would still have a quinceanera traditionally. Yes. Everybody in my family, I think from everyone, my cousins and everybody that I recall actually had one. I still remember my closest cousin having a quinceanera and me being part of her court, like as a, uh, one of the, the one, one of her closest uh, court per- members. It was a huge party. It was huge, huge, huge. They invited like thousands and thousands of people i will never forget it was beautiful thousands of people it was like the whole neighborhood it was just so many people um people that i i i've never seen in my life and i knew that they live around the neighborhood but they just showed up to the quinceanera they we had mariachis for her um which is pretty much another type of tradition like they have a serenade which Mm -hmm. they might they come and they sing to her and compile a, a set of songs just to kind of like dedicate to her for her birthday. Uh, the cake was humongous. It looked like a wedding cake. I mean, this this thing was humongous. It was just so big. Like the party was just so huge. It sounds like your guys' parents, for those that have a quinceanera, basically spend like a wedding. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So the first time I've ever seen, like, I've heard of quinceaneras, like, I see it on TV, stuff like that, but I've never been to one in person. How did this get started? Like, what is the court? So at least for for, for the ones that I've attended, the court is pretty much kind of like uh, uh, the person's either closest cousins to some, not, not the whole entire Hispanic community, but to some is the closest either cousins, family members about the same age as as her and or the uh, her best friends and they pretty much have, kind of have to put together a dance uh, to kind of like either 
uh, I guess it's it's gonna like like grand opening of the quinceañera to kind of perform in front of the the guest. And the it's f- like a it's a it's a coming out. That's so what speak. I was thinking. Yeah, because it's a coming of age, right? Like a coming of womanhood, but at the age of fifteen. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Do the males have like a a version of this or no? No, no. But I have heard that the quinceañera is like the similar version of the mar var var. Yeah. Mitzvahs for the boys. Bar mitzvah, yeah. Similar. It's very similar, but it is pretty much the same concept. Celebration, kind of like womanhood coming from you know teenager to becoming a woman gifts lots of gifts yes (laughs) yes oh my goodness yes and that's actually another opportunity where the parents uh, will also have to gift them like their their car or uh you know like a huge present for them or uh, some instances they actually give them like uh let's say for example i had i actually attended one where the parents gifted the girl her full college tuition. And that was kind of like... Y'all must be rich. No, I mean, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I... Ali had a whole wedding for her 15th birthday, and then she went on a trip to Europe Yeah, for her 16th birthday. It depends by, by culture, to be honest. Because this other one, I actually... This person, they gave her a trip. The other one, the my, one of my cousins, they actually did... Um, just gift everybody will gift her whatever you know they they could afford or whatever they can some will have a list like a registry list one of my friends had that's one of them that they they gave her her car for high school at that time she was going in we were going into high school and they had pretty much kind of like uh you know wanted her to get her license and you know that was the way because she didn't want to drive she was always scared of driving and she was like no I'm, i don't think i'll ever get my license in must be nice Mm -hmm. because I had to buy my own car I had to wait to get my license until I was 18 I had to buy my own car I have no type of party like I wanted a party for my 18th birthday and my mom was like no but I'm gonna give you a graduation party because I want you to have a graduation party mind you she only planned it like two weeks in advance so like nobody could come and it was fun though and I guess I appreciate it, but, like, I didn't want that. And it was nothing near as significant as, like, the parties that you guys are describing. Yeah, I was too much of a tomboy for me to really care about all that girly stuff. Like, I will appreciate it and I will, you know, I'll go to the parties and be part of the court. Had to wear a dress and I, I always do. I remember one of my friends actually was like, Diana, is it okay if you wear a dress or do you want a suit? Because... I was such a tomboy, and I was like, I'll, I'll wear the dress, you know? I learn something new about you every day. I remember telling my parents, no, don't worry about it, you know, just put that money elsewhere, just don't, don't, I don't, I don't need this, this week, and they even con- reconsider it again, she, they asked me to reconsider it again for the sweet 16, they're like, how about the American way, you know, do you want the sweet 16? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, do they- you regret that now, or are you fine with it? Uh... That's a good question, Hope. And um, I feel what what Ali was saying that, you know, her, she pretty much, you know, she she's a memory that she has, right? I think knowing the way that I was back then, I can accept that I said no. I, I don't think I, I actually regret it, no. And do you plan on 
giving that choice to your children or do you plan on like having one for them is this something that you and Juan and a million have discussed yes we actually talked about it with our oldest uh, and she's pretty because she pretty much has she's like what is this whole quinceanera but because her grandparents have talk to her about the whole tradition and you know we're getting closer to that age are we gonna have one uh and I had the one-on-one conversation with her and where I pretty much gave her the options like listen you know I want you to watch it and I actually had her at that time right in we were in the middle of a pandemic I remember I actually had to I will give her like a list of things to do. And I remember one time I told her, like, just watch this video is regarding quinceañera. I want you to learn about the tradition. And then, you know, once we get to that stage, like we need to discuss whether you want to have one or not. So that was kind of like her homework, right? She came back to me. She said, you know, mom, you know, mommy, I, I want a trip. Like, let's do a family trip. And I, okay, well, if that's what you want instead of a party, you know, and, I guess we'll make that happen. So that's pretty much what she wants. She she has decided to do for her quinceañera through 16. I feel like I would love that huge party at that age. Mm-hmm. Maybe, actually. I don't, I don't know. You know, what kid wouldn't like a huge party for them? But, like, also going on a really nice trip is going to have so much more memories and it's going to last longer. And it's going to be, in my opinion, money more well spent than the huge party. Yeah. My oldest is actually very, very mindful about money. And she pretty much will kind of like analyze the whole thing and say, no, it's not going to benefit our family. Or yes, it's going to, it's going to be okay if we, if we expend, you know, if we spend this much and, you know, she is such a huge analyzer when it comes to those things I mean I'm grateful for that for her and she pretty much kind of like got down like look this is how much you will spend on decorations this is how much you will spend on a dress this is how much you will spend like on the party the amount of guests that you're planning to have like I don't think that's doable to compare to building memories in a trip as a family mom my mom has said that to me she says you know I think she she has a mix of both of us because we are like that. I kind of see it's like mirroring myself and my beloved at the same time. Dee, let me ask you a question. You obviously have presented all this to your daughter. You had given her these videos for her to watch. Mm-hmm. But do you think that later on, as she gets older, she'll look back and maybe regret not having a quince? That's a good question, Ali. I think... My beloved and I have decided to raise our children mm-hmm. is to give them the option. We grew up, at least for myself, I grew up in a forceful type of environment. You know, you have to play tennis. You have to do the tennis. You have to play the soccer. You have to the 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 karate classes. You know, you have to be in that extracurricular activity to be up the par with the rest of the children. You have to do this. You have to do that. And coming from that angle, I really kind of realized, at least at least now, I didn't want to do the tennis. I did not want to do the soccer. I didn't want to do the piano or the violin. Or I wanted to be myself, you know. And I think that took away a lot from a lot of the things that I wanted to do when I was little. We pretty much have talked about it. We say, you know what, I think it's, 
okay to give them options, what they like, and then kind of like enhance and enrich the things that they like. Focus on that. Have we done the soccer on, on, on my kids? Yes. Have we done the karate? Yes. But if we notice that it's not something they enjoy, we're not going to force them to do it. And I think it kind of goes the same way for these types of traditional choose to be part of. You know, I think they have the right to, to choose. And I don't, I don't think I, I should mandate them to do something that they, they, they may not feel comfortable with. Especially with the way that she thinks, because she will really kind of sit you down and tell you like, no, I think this is why. And, and she will dissect the situation. She will say, this is the reason why I don't think we should do it. You, you know, and, and I'm the type of person that I'm, I love having parties. I love decorating. I love literally like just going all out when it comes to decorations and, you know, just having time for my kids' birthday things of that nature but she see she told me she's like i know how much you have spent on all those decorations that you could have just put that money into something else yeah like bill the telephone bill the mortgage the gas tank the food (laughs) every time i spend money on something that's not a bill it's like okay but it wasn't enough for the bill but it could have gone toward the bill so you said, like, if they do something, like, let's say soccer, and they don't like it, you don't make them do it. But do you make them finish out the season and the commitment that they signed up for? And then after that, they don't do it? Yes. Okay. That's kind of part of the of the plan, right? Like, if we go into the next stage, mm-hmm. we noticed that she was just not enjoying it. She was just not, not having fun at all. It was just not for her. And she voiced it out. She said, you know, I don't think this is for me. Can we try something different? Sure. Yay. You know, let's finish this out. Just give it a chance, you know. And that's another thing. Like, I will I will kind of, like, I want to hear the feedback as well as maybe she was not good at being a goalie, right? So, mm-hmm. I, so we will say, like, why don't you try to be a center, you know, be part of the center field and see if you can or be a defense. Or it's not just, oh, you don't like it? All right, let's move on. You don't like it or no, you have to kind of be committed to, you know, give them the opportunity, but at the same time, you have to meet them halfway. They have to meet you halfway, but we do actually just like, yeah, if you stay in soccer, we have to finish this because it is a commitment that we sign up for. And that's just everything in life. That's pretty much how we teach them. Like everything in life is a commitment. One of the things that, one of the things that we have reinforced them is either you do it with passion or don't do it at all. The uncle that I grew up with, he used to always tell me that, leave it for another day and start and do it again, but do it with passion. If you're not going to do it with passion, don't do it at all. I'm going to change my wording. Like I've been guilty of telling my kids, do it right the first time so you don't have to do it over. I like it better and it's definitely more positive to say, do it with passion. Because yeah. that's essentially what I'm telling them with certain things. Like put the effort in it and just do it the first time. You know, actually put the energy and the effort, put the passion into it the first time. So do it with passion. And if you can't do it with passion, I guess take a break and come back. Yeah. To collect the energy you need to do it with passion. Exactly. Allie. Yeah. Talk to me. One, can your mom adopt me? And (laughs) two. (laughs) My mom wants no kids. (laughs) I mean, I'm an adult kid. 
kid though. Like I just want the continuity. It should be oh. hell to the no. No, no. What about my youngest? <laughs> Not even. <laughs> why? What do you anyway, mean why? I just feel like I'm learning so much about how your family are millionaires. And I want to go on trips and that's <laughs> a big party. But that being said, so uh-huh. if you have kids one day, uh-huh. are you going to keep the 15th birthday coming of age celebration and tradition alive? Honestly, at least for me, in my experience, I feel that since I was the first granddaughter on my mom's side of the family, a lot of pressure was put on me to have a quinceañera. I did it more so for my mom and for her side of the family because to them it was like a really big deal. My dad comes from a very big family, so a lot of it, I was like the only girl, like the youngest girl that we can actually have like a quinceañera because nobody on his side of the family could have one because, you know, they didn't have the means to. Like, I just felt a lot of pressure overall on me. Now, would I put that type of pressure on my kids if, I don't know, it's just something that they would want to do. I mean, I can offer them the the option, but I don't think I would I would put the type of pressure that my mom and my family put on me because I don't think it's fair. Well, that, and I think going back to kind of what I was saying earlier about like the only tradition my family has is our love son. Your parents were born in America? No, my mom was born in Bolivia and my dad was born in Nicaragua, but they came here 30 plus years ago. They're the first generation here. This is how traditions get lost, right? Because like our parents will put so much pressure pressure on us coming from where they came from and it being part of the culture and it being a tradition and then we feel all that pressure and we're like no 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 no, we're gonna relax a little, little bit for our, like that's how stuff starts disappearing not to put pressure on you in the opposite way of what you were talking about mm-hmm. but it just kind of comes full circle I feel like a lot of families who have been here in America being here for a long time have let go of a lot of their traditions probably in the same way that you guys are not necessarily letting go but like loosening the expectation yeah for your families that's very true i don't know maybe you do have a point hope for example on my mom's side of the family i have a cousin who lives in bolivia she was born over there obviously her dad lives here in the States. She didn't have a quince. The the means to provide her with a quince were there. They didn't force her to have one. Unlike me, I feel like since I was the first granddaughter to them, there was a lot of hype behind it. And I had to, you know, come out with a quince. And my youngest cousin that, you know, that was born here... Due to the fact that, you know, my aunt passed away, we haven't put any type of pressure on her mm-hmm. to want to have like a quince or to want to have, you know, a party because they don't want anything to do with any type of celebration. Because to them, you know, Christmas and their birthdays correlate a lot with their mom. They're still grieving in their own 
particular way. Since my aunt's passing, they want nothing to do with no Christmas trees. They don't want it in the house. They don't want no lights, no nothing. So, you know, for them, it's just, it's, it's not something that they want to celebrate. So the pressure on her has been taken away. So in some retrospect, I feel like all that pressure was put on me. Did your grandparents like help contribute to it? It was more so important to them and they applied the pressure to your mom? I feel like my grandma put some type of pressure on my mom because I, I feel like my grandmother instigated and then my mom just, you know, came down on me because, I mean, I was I was like, I didn't want anything. And I kept telling my mom, like, mom, I don't know why you're stressing. Just take me to McDonald's. Why, what is it so hard for you to understand? I don't want anything. Just take what me to- What was the thing about McDonald's though? Like- like, I don't, I don't even understand why, because I love McDonald's. <laughs> And to me, a little Happy Meal makes me happy. And being on McDonald's. Have it your, have it your way, Allie. Yes, that's that's literally that's that's, Burger King. Oh listen, my god! Oh yes, that's BK. Have it your way. <laughs> I'm loving it. Get get your slogans together. Whatever you know what. Listen, all I wanted for my birthday was yes, a you know, McDonald's party with my friend, and I just wanted to call it a day, but I couldn't have it my way. So, I mean, you couldn't love it. I couldn't you love it, or I would love it. it. Love it. <laughs> Y'all are stressing me out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. You know, and then again, Ali, like you know, you made a good point. Like your grandma was pretty much kind of like pressuring your mom, right? It's just such a different generation, because. I know that if my grandma was alive by the time that I was 16 or even 15, I think my mom would have felt the pressure too. It was such a traditional way thing for my grandparents. So if they were alive, for sure, they will, they will, it will probably come down to that too. If she was alive, she was even questioning like, how come Diana is such a tomboy? You know, want to make sure that those traditions don't, don't get lost. Even if they they're immigrants to another country, you know, they, they want to make sure that they, they're vivid and they stay there with you. My grandparents were really known. My grandfather was a cargo pilot back in the day, and my grandmother was a stewardess. They had a really good life, almost like, you know, they were like high society, so to speak, mm. in Bolivia. And my mom and my aunt and my uncle always went to the best schools over there. They came from money. They were always raised, you know, with maids and all that stuff. So, you know, for my mom, you know, to want to give me a glimpse of the type of lifestyle that she had Mm -hmm. growing up, I feel like that also partook in her push for me to have a quince. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the culture thing, you know, like for some of you that don't know, um, I was born and raised in Colombia, in Bogota, Colombia. And my parents actually immigrated to the United States here about 30 years ago. That was like in the 1980s or so. And um, we actually came, my, my mother and myself, my dad, we came here to the United States. But my parents did not have any documents, any papers. You know, they were uh, they were trying to get their citizenship and their residence at that time. And so my grandmother living in Colombia, she actually said to my mom, you know, hey, why don't you send Diana back and we'll take care of her until you guys get your stuff situated. We'll take care of her. No worries. So that's what my mom did. 
not realizing the repercussions after sending me back because we didn't have any papers that she was just not going to easily be able to kind of like, oh, yeah, just send her back to us. You know, we're good now. No. So at that time, during the 1980s, they had this, um, uh, it was like laws and regulations regarding people who worked on the, um, on, on like uh, agriculture and pretty much kind of like crops and things like that. Um, they will get assistance by the government by getting their residence. And so my mom sent me back to Colombia by myself. I, will never, I don't think I'll ever forget that day. I was very little, but I will never forget about that day. And when I went back to Colombia, I only spoke English. Probably I was about three, three years old. By yourself at three? Yes. And when I got to Colombia, I remember my grandparents really kind of like speaking to me in Spanish and I would not understand a thing. And I grew up with them. Parents were still here. They, actually, they stayed here in the United States uh, for that time, trying to get their citizenship and their residence, all the documents in order for them to kind of claim me back. It took some time. I was denied the visa five times. It was a very sad time because my childhood, I pretty much grew up with my grandparents. Um, and I will actually only speak to my parents over the phone once a month. And um, it took until about, I would say probably, I think it was, uh, I was about to turn 12. I received, after Christmas, I received a letter in English, only English in Colombia. Now, at that time, I'm only speaking Spanish, right? I have forgotten about English. I grew up with the Spanish, my grandparents. And I remember looking at that letter and kind of like grabbing the Spanish and English dictionary and trying to translate it for my mom to call me that upcoming Sunday coincidentally and for me to tell her what that letter was about it was actually the opportunity to go back to the embassy and try to see if they will allow me to go back to the United States and so I told my mom I said hey mom you know I received this letter from the embassy you know like I think you're I think this is another appointment you're going to have to fly down uh, at that time my mom had already had her residence and so she flew down to Colombia we finally went to the embassy and I got, I was uh, granted the visa after about 10 years of being without my parents. I grew up, I grew up with my grandparents. Pretty much that was kind of like my, my, my culture, right? Just, mm -hmm. uh, my dad, uh, actually, he told me stories, many, many stories about him actually having background from Manaus, Brazil. Now Manaus, for those of you that don't know, it's actually the Amazon, like the jungle, you know, beautiful part of Brazil, but it's just literally mostly jungle. And he told me, he's like, you know, you, we actually have, you know, ancestors, part of our culture is from Manaus, Brazil. So the, my last name, you that know me personally, that's pretty much where it comes from. And um, never learned Portuguese. My dad understands Portuguese beautifully. Um, I envy him for that. But uh, when I came to the United States, you know, and did actually have talked to you both about this in, in, in a previous occasion. That's when my mom actually kind of introduced me to the radio station that we all know about. Like, look, you know, they're, you know, they, you can learn English, you can learn the language from them. You know, they're very like uh, bilingual that you can definitely kind of grasp it from, from listening to them. And that's it. The rest is history, you know, but uh, that's pretty much kind of like my background, my, my, my culture and how I grew up. When you got this letter, when you're 12, you said? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Right. And they've denied you so many times. Like, what was the change? Was there like a political change? What inspired them to reach out to you and be like, hey, why don't you do this now? The U.S. had different different precedents, different rules, regulations, and things of that nature. But also at that time, my mom had already gained her residence, going towards getting her citizenship, which is obviously, you know, becoming a U.S. citizen. That's like the goal, right? It's an immigrant. And by her having the residence, at that time, an opportunity. It looked like a different opportunity because of that letter. I will never forget that letter, Hope. Actually, illustrated for you because I still have it so so vivid in my mind. It was a change of, uh, of government. It was a change of rules, regulations, laws, and things of that nature. And you, when every time that I used to get denied, it was the saddest th- days, you know, of my life because I wouldn't be able to be with my parents. When I was in school, I used to be made fun of by my classmates. Oh, you know, that's the girl with no parents. And they used to say, you know, and my grandma, you know, I had to actually take my grandma reunions or like, uh, you know, like uh, parent-teacher meetings and things of that nature. So, you know, there were people and kids that used to be very, you know, very cruel. I mean, at that time, to be honest with you, I wasn't really caring. Like, I, I didn't really get it, let it get to me because all one She's your caregiver. She... She's acting as your parent because your parent is is not there. Yeah, exactly. And so she was my parent, you know. She, my old parent, you know, I miss her dearly. Uh, I miss my grandparents dearly, but pretty much kind of like said, yes, you know, he's, he's approved, he's granted. I, I, I really thought I was dreaming. I, I couldn't believe it. This is almost the sixth time, you know, and I finally get to be with my parents finally. I came here when I was 12. I had just turned... I actually had, I was about to turn 12 when I got here. That's crazy, man. And what about your brother? Where was he? I found out about my brother when he was two years old. So he was born here? He was born here. I did not know anything about my mom's pregnancy. I didn't know anything about my brother when he was born. How much older are you than him? Uh, Seven years apart. found out when, you know, by my mom going one time with my dad and my brother and literally showing up with my brother uh, in Colombia. And I was like, they didn't tell you on the phone? No, they didn't tell me on the phone. They actually showed up and they, they flew down to Colombia with my brother. He was two at the time because we had to go to the embassy to see if they were going to approve me for the visa. He was two years old and they never, ever, like you said, you spoke to your parents on the phone. No, I used to speak to my parents the very first Sunday of every month, I had to wait by a by a by a court telephone at nine p.m. on that Sunday. If I missed that phone call, I had to wait until the next month. That is insane. that's savage. Yeah, yeah. My grandma will call me from the window. Diana, get inside. Your mom is gonna call. You're not gonna. You're gonna miss the call. You miss the three rings and forget it. She couldn't call back again until next month because at that time, you know, it was not like. Like now, you know, I had to go to a specific place to kind of call international. I mean, it was a whole big deal. Now, now it's obviously easier. I mean, we have WhatsApp and all these other, you know, resources. But back in the day, it wasn't that that easy. It was sad, obviously, because it's like, you- yeah. What if you missed the call? Did you cry if you missed it? Oh my God! I think, I think the days that used to hit me the most was obviously when I got my visa denied. Those were the days that really hit me. And the days that they will fly back without me, you know, they will, I will have to go to the airport to say goodbye to them and 
I'll go back home with my grandparents, you know. Those days, I think, were the hardest. The, How often the, is it? Every other year, they had to, they continue to try and try and try and until I received that letter. Was when I pretty much told my mom, hey, you know, I translated everything. He says that uh, they're giving me another appointment to the embassy and it's going to actually be in a few weeks. So I guess you're just going to have to fly down again. But I remember having a kind of different feeling that at that time, you know, I was like, maybe fifth is the charm, you know, maybe this is, this is, this is it. And it really was. My mom flew down by herself. She left my brother with my dad. She didn't really want to kind of like put my hopes up. And I remember going to the embassy and kind of like sitting down in front of like a little window and waiting for my mom to call me over to see whether or not they were going to stamp the paper. And usually they do like, they stamp it and they'll say denied or they'll stamp it and they'll say approved. And every time it would be like stamp, denied, stamp, denied. It was the most heartbreaking thing. And I remember the last person that approved it, they looked at me and they say, I want to, I, you know, I want, I really want you to be someone when you grow up in the United States. And I, I couldn't believe it. It was just the most beautiful day. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> no, don't, don't cry. But like, it is, of course, it's just beautiful. You know, it's like, I owe it to my mom. She made so much sacrifices. Just a small piece of information that I don't get to share, but I'm like, you know what? It is time for to share it. Like my mom crossed the border with me in arms. So as you can see, you know, it just I give all these flowers back to her because she's the one that made it all happen. Oh, don't cry, don't cry. But yeah, <laughs> <Happy it's> tears. <laughs> it's so beautiful and it's so amazing, and I I just couldn't. Um, like honestly, because I was sitting here thinking, like, do you have any resentment towards your parents or your brother, or do you have like, did it strain your relationship at all? But like, it didn't clearly. Because I I admired the sacrifice, you know. Yeah, I recognize what they did. And your daughter definitely gets that maturity level from you. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, because I mean the. Anybody, I think, that would have experienced everything that you've experienced in your earlier days, they could have held so much resentment against, you know, their parents yeah. for leaving them at such a young age yeah. and, and a critical age, too, at it, three. It's super critical. That's what I'm saying. And then to have such minimal contact with them. Exactly. Only once a month, you know, like, then to be raised by, you know, someone. I mean, yes, it's your grandparents granted. But it's nothing like your mom and your dad. Yeah. You know, a mother's love and a father's love, I think it can never be replaced as much as 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 you would like for it to be, you know. And you have been given such a great opportunity, you know. I mean, even though it took you so long to come back to the U.S., but you are granted that. For me, you know, I am super grateful um, to have had, you know, both of my parents come to this country and honestly give me and my brother an opportunity mm -hmm. for a better life, for a better future. And sometimes I, I think about my cousin that lives in Bolivia and, you know, I'm like, you know, damn, you know, I feel for her because having a father that lives in the United States that is a U.S. citizen, to put it like that, Mm -hmm. and not fight 
you know, for your kid to have a better future, to have a better life, it must take a toll on that person. She's tried. My aunt has tried for her several times to get to get her a visa. Mm-hmm. And it's always it's always denied. It's really tough. It's, it's just to be quite honest, like about the word resentment. Right. And I could have have resentment towards them because of just the nature of how everything developed. But I think to my grandparents for always kind of like raising me the way that they introduced me to kind of say, you know, your parents are doing their best. They're, they're really trying to make it happen. They're they are not giving up on this on on trying and you know and they're there sacrificing you pretty much having you next to them for a better future for you and you know I I I couldn't agree more you know my grandparents kind of like inputted that seed on me and they said you know they're doing their very best and just always remember that you're that even though you don't have them next to you and you talk to them once a month maybe you know they're still your parents they still love you and you are going to have that dream one day and we're going to be together. And of course, it took a lot of time, but it was so worth it because, you know, and, and of course, we'll talk later on about like, you know, me living here with them. It was definitely difficult. But, you know, I, I, I think to my parents, both my parents for, for all the sacrifice, everything they've done is just, wow, you know, it's just, it's inspiring to say the least. It's almost like it didn't go in vain. Like everything that they did, the sacrifices of leaving you back, you know, in a third world country, like it came out to be something beautiful. You are doing amazing things and you're going to continue to go from here where you are. Like, I know how hard you work Mm -hmm. and the fact that you have this amazing story, plus other stories that, you know, you're going to share one day, hopefully on the podcast with everybody, like, Honestly, the more I get to know you, the more I, I didn't know I could admire somebody as much as I do. <laughs> Your beginnings are crazy. It's mm-hmm. it, it's it, something to admire. Yeah, honestly. And and you just work so hard and you just have so so much knowledge and all this experience and you definitely need to share it with the world. I mean, and you are here. And I know there's other avenues in which, you know, you plan to do that. And I I can't wait to see the greatness. Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Notorious OGs. Please join us next week when we finish this conversation and actually discuss what we meant to discuss. (laughs) 